Good morning. I'm I'm Laura. This is Antonio. Did everybody get a handout? I'm going to try to stand right here because they're recording us. Um, I'm going to briefly go over the handout and then some additional thoughts and notes, and then I'll turn it over to Antonio. Oh yeah, Manila file folder. Um, you know, I noticed on the program, it said this class was helping returning citizens with a productive life, dash, dash. What was supposed to be after the dash was HopeWorks. So we are here to talk about HopeWorks and in particular, um, our personal and career development class at HopeWorks. So I hope that that's the class that you were planning to come to. If it's not, you won't hurt our feelings if you want to go somewhere else, but we're glad you're here, and we're going to tell you all about the personal and career development class. So just a, a quick history about HopeWorks. You know, in the late 80s, the, the big social issue of the time was homelessness, and so there was a group of Christians who started meeting locally to talk about what they could do to help with the issue of homelessness. And um, they, some research was being done, and it was discovered there really were enough beds in Memphis, technically, for our homeless population. But the real areas that needed to be addressed were some of the service gaps, were things like um, health and hygiene products that you can't buy with food stamps, non-food items, or workforce development, work readiness training. And so, um, on March 22nd, 1989, there was a segment on the NBC Nightly News with Tom Brokaw at the time about a program in Brooklyn called the HOPE Program. So some of the people who were in those meetings saw that <coughs> light bulb moment, this is something that we could get involved with. Um, and so in 1989, at the end of the year, the ministry officially began, our name was Memphis Area Cooperative Services back then, Max, and started just with a small distribution ministry of health and hygiene issue, uh, items. And then just a few months later, they started with the first life skills lab, which was this employment readiness idea. Um, the classes continued until 1998 when we changed our organization name to HopeWorks. Um, up until that time, we had been under the oversight of a local church, and at that point, we got our own 501c3 nonprofit status and became our own organization. So it was a good time to change our name. We changed the name of the class from Life Skills Lab to Personal and Career Development. Um, while we do life, some life skills, I noticed through the years we would get a lot of calls from caseworkers who thought we did hygiene and, and things like that, teaching about shopping and real basic life skills. And so we changed the name to fit more of what we were doing, which was career focus kind of stuff. Um, and then in 2005, we added <coughs> GED preparation. That was another for Memphis, that was another big gap um, in service, and so we added that. So as our ministry continues, we still have those three same things we started out with. We've tried a couple other things along the way that have started and phased out, but those three ministries we still do. The health and hygiene outlet is a very small part 
of what we do, and it's just a small distribution ministry. Um, the main program, what's often referred to as our signature program, is the personal and career development class. And then we still have the adult ed training. Um, what used to be called the GED, now called the high set training, we do that. And I put a number on here, 404, that have received their GED since we started back in 2005. That's what our staff sent to me and then she sent another late night panic email that may be a little high but we've had a lot of success with our GED program we've had a lot of people who got their GEDs through their training at HopeWorks so I'm going to go over the personal and career development part of what we do if you were in the last class across the hall which was really good Carol McDonald I think um, this really goes perfectly with what she was talking about because all the things she was talking about in there, we do, and it's because it is a lab setting, um, meaning the students get to not only learn it, but we practice it. That's really what's beneficial, um, in my opinion. So it's a 14-week program. It's um, almost full-time. We meet Monday through Friday, 9 to 4. So I've just split up the career part and the personal parts. Recently, not this class that's going on now, but in the last class, I don't know what I asked a student to do, but she rolled her eyes and said, is this the personal or the career? So I thought, well, that's a good way to divide it up. So in the career development part, this is a very quick chronological overview of what we do, um, starting in the beginning with just helping the students to get to know each other. Um, weeks two and three, we start talking about their interests, their values, abilities, things like that as they relate to work. In weeks four and five, we start talking about career exploration. Several of our students are in here right now, and that's the part we're doing right now. So they research careers. One of our primary research tools is the Occupation Outlook Handbook, and I brought a couple of those today if anybody wants to look at those after. Um, once they've researched careers that are interesting, we help them narrow down their options until they have top career choices. It's at that point um, that we go to work to try to find an internship in a field that the student has an interest in. So we tell our students we can't guarantee that your internship is going to be in your number one career choice, but we do try to find a meaningful internship in a field that's of interest to you. Um, so the internship gives the students on-the-job experience in a safe, uh, sympathetic employer who's familiar with HopeWorks, familiar with our population, um, and so it's just a good place for them to get to practice all the things that we talk about in class. Week six through eight is all about employer expectations, um, what are employers looking for, handling on-the-job issues, conflict resolution, communication skills. Um, weeks 9 through 11 is when we really start working on finding jobs, what works, what doesn't work, and all the different strategies that go with that. Also, we start getting all their um, written documents together, master application, resumes, references, um, cover letters, all that kind of stuff. Then we spend the last couple weeks working on interviewing, practicing interviewing. 
someone in the last class asked, how would you um, coach someone who's asked in an interview about their criminal background? We work a lot on that. <clears throat> in fact, in our curriculum, which I have with me, and ours is just um, stuff that we've developed. It's just evolved over the years. But I love to use real examples. And so I have in the interviewing section real HopeWorks examples. There's several of them. And so if, I don't know who asked that question, but if you wanted to read over our stuff, I could send it to you. We've got lots of good information on how to handle that question. Um, we also use some workbooks called Work Keys. I brought one free if you want to look at it. We work on reading for information, and we have a volunteer who does a little bit of just general industry math. That's about an hour and a half a week. Um, and then the internship, as I talked about. So then the personal development. Um, we start each day with journaling, um, sharing, like a check-in time where every, every student has to participate, say how they're feeling. Um, a devotional and a prayer and we encourage the students once we're in the second week or so the students start to sign up for devotionals and prayers so by the end of the class all the students have led devotionals led prayers um, we have lunch um, that we provide for our students which is just a great benefit it's a really uh, great perk of being a student and staff member at hope works we get free lunches um, but really what's nice about the lunch, it's a good place for the students to get to practice social skills in a safe setting. So we have rules about no cell phones at the table, no headphones at the table, things like that. Um, we also do a devotional and prayer at lunch. We have group counseling. We have three part-time counselors on staff. So we have group counseling each week. They do psycho-ed groups. They also do process groups. We have individual counseling for our students. All of the students in our program are required to get at least four individual counseling sessions. We have weekly Bible study, um, just studying the Bible together. We also have a weekly class called Faith and Finances, and I brought the workbook. Um, it's curriculum developed by Chalmers. And then we also use a character development video series called Holistic Hardware. Um, developed by Joe Holland out of New York and I brought that so if anybody wants to look at those what's good about the faith and finances and the holistic hardware um, they are standalone programs so if you're just starting something or if you're doing a weekly Bible study or something like that they would be excellent tools for that kind of setting some other features of the class we provide bus passes we drug test all of our students. Um, we do a lot of measuring, pre and post assessments. Um, we have volunteers that we call faith encouragers who are just um, <laughs> volunteers who come down during lunch and we assign them to a student. It's optional for the students, so the students don't have to have a faith encourager if they don't want one, but just an extra cheerleader while they're in the class, just someone to encourage them while they're in the program. Um, once our students graduate, they're, we don't just kick them out and cut them off. We still continue our relationship with them. So they have access to 
job retention, we have um, two retention specialists on our staff who will work with the student while they're looking for a job until they get their job and also once they get their job they'll you know kind of walk alongside them for the first year of their job to help them think through things if there's any issues or emergencies that come up they help to guide them through those issues um, we have a computer lab and so our graduates have access to that um, our graduates can come back at any point for individual counseling if that's something they feel like they need uh, we offer ongoing resume support we also have occasional alumni meetings um, and some classes that we call HopeWorks Plus. So we've done medical kinds of things, all day seminars, just extra things that we invite the graduates to. Um, and just a by the way kind of thing, we average, I think it's probably higher than this, but we average 30 to 40 alumni contacts per week. So our students definitely stay in touch with us. Um, we have graduates that come by every day just to say hi or to update a resume, something like that. We have a graduation ceremony at the end of the program. It's a great night, a great celebration. And at our graduations, we honor what we call star graduates, and those are previous graduates of the program who've been on their jobs for at least a year. So we try to have a few of those that we honor at each graduation ceremony. Um, just some basic demographics of the population we work with. This is the, we have um, just over a thousand graduates. At our last graduation in April, we just went over the thousand student mark. So out of our last 37%, um, here's the, the gender breakdown average age 35 racial breakdown 98% uh, of our students are considered low or no income low would be just receiving some kind of government assistance 50% um, of our students when they start our PCD need their high school diploma 57% have criminal background and our average class size is 10 to 12. Um, I put some information here about our staff. Um, and then a, another note here, we've done, I feel like our program is a program that can be packaged and you can take it on the road. Um, so if you don't have a facility necessarily, but if you're wanting to start something like this, I think that's very doable. We've done other classes with some urban <coughs> church plants and then I think of particular note today, we did three classes with um, the Tennessee Board of Probation and Parole. They used to have a facility downtown Memphis called the Day Reporting Center where um, certain probationees had to check in every day. So they had to be down there every day, but the Department of Probation and Parole had no programming for them. So you basically just had a building full of people sitting around all day and so um, they came to us and asked us to do our class down there and we did that until they closed that building down um, but we really did not have to tweak much we kept the spiritual element we kept the 
Polistic Hardware, which is very faith-based, so we continued to do our regular program even in their setting. Um, there are a few places that have um, come to HopeWorks and pattern programs after us, so if any of y'all live near these places, there's a program in Abilene called FaithWorks that was patterned after HopeWorks. Um, there's one in Little Rock called HopeWorks, and then one in Montgomery called HIM Ministries, H-I-M Ministries. Um, some of the, one of the other resources I wanted to mention, someone in the last class asked about curriculum. Um, and initially we started with what was called the Adkins Life Skills Curriculum. Um, it, Adkins is based out of Columbia University. The downside of that curriculum was very expensive and they really never updated it. And you had to go through their training, so you had to go up there. Um, it was just expensive and not, it was good at first, but they never updated it. So um, as times changed, we just started to phase out with the Adkins and we started to incorporate more of our own things that we developed specific to our population. Um, I think it's really good when you can use the language that your students would use um, local people and things like that. I think it makes it more meaningful. There's also a good company called GIST Publishing. They do, they have lots of re-entry kinds of books and workbooks and games, so they might be another company to check out. Um, while the PCD was not necessarily started to be just a re-entry program, it seems to work well because it's kind of a transitional step-down program. I was thinking everything she was talking about in there, our students get to practice. They get to practice all those things. They get to practice with an employer. They get to practice social skills with other people. They get to practice time management. Um, so they still have the structure of the five days a week, nine to four, but it's certainly a step down from being incarcerated um, or a step down from being in a halfway house. So they have some freedom, but still that basic structure there. It's a safe place to just to practice their work skills and social skills. Um, as far as just practical advice that we give to our students who have criminal background issues who are looking for jobs, we tell them to um, focus on small organizations. So organizations, companies that have 20 or fewer employees because it's those companies where networking is most effective. Networking is the best way to get a job. Um, small companies can make their own rules. Uh, there's probably not gonna be a background check. There may not even be an application to fill out. So um, if someone does have a really troubled background, we always encourage them to focus on a small company. Um, we always encourage honesty, honesty on application forms, honesty on resume. I had a student in my last class, we were working on our applications and filling in everything honestly and we were probably 30 minutes into it and she stopped and said, I just have to say this to everybody. 
I have never done an application like this before. She just said, I've been lying for years on applications. She just thought that was the way to do it. Um, and I know it's um, daunting to put yourself out there and be honest about things. We encourage our students, don't say more than you have to, but be honest about everything. Um, <clears throat> and then when it comes to the interview, if that question is asked, what we teach and practice, practice, practice is what we call the one-two punch. Yes, this was the issue. Um, so we tell them to be brief, honest, direct, but then you follow it up with all the positive things you've done since then. So yes, I served five years for this charge, but since then I have completed a 14-week personal and career development class at Hope Works. I've passed four drug tests. I've been clean for three years, I attend meetings regularly, all those positive things they've done since then. So that the last thing in the employer's mind is, oh wow, okay, so you've really been working hard and doing all these positive things. So I have lots of examples. If anybody wants to read over those, um, you're more than welcome to. So I think I've said quite enough, and I'll turn it over to Antonio. Let's give Laura a hand. She probably surprised I called her Laura. I usually call her Batman. I'm Robin, and she answers to it. What, no matter how many times I said. Uh, I go back to September 2002 when I entered the Hope Works building. Uh, like she said, it was a satellite location in um, northern part of Memphis, and uh. I came in for an interview, had braids, and uh, forget the braids, I had an attitude. I had a, I was in a low place, depressed, but my attitude. I used to say it was racism, but now I think it was trust. I know it was a trust issue. I didn't trust anyone outside my mom. And uh, today my mom would have been 68 years young. Uh, but she passed away in 2001, in uh, July of 2001, and after she passed away, not trusting anyone, not believing in myself with this criminal background, it led me through the doors of whole works, and still not trusting the one. I, and even, I remember the first couple of days I was thinking, <laughs> I said, these white folks just doing this because they can, so they can go to church and tell their friends, I helped some guy in poverty, I helped some woman in poverty. But I had to come and back, and Laura kept saying, uh, be open-minded, be open-minded. And so having drilled it in my head, it was like, hey, I came to them for help. Allow them to help me. And so once I got past the trust issue, and they not only cared about me, if you, if you notice what we keep saying, PCD, personal and career development. And I'm not knocking any organization that want to find jobs for individuals, and that's fine and dandy. But we work on the person first. We work on the person because if you give a gangster a job and don't change his mindset, you don't know what he may do with the money, the first paycheck he get. Same way with a drug addict, alcoholic. But we work on the person. We try to change the mindset of individuals. And I think that's where the success we get into. If you hear she keep talking about we sharing this, sharing. That's one reason I keep coming back to work. I love my job. I have been to other organizations in this city and in other states. And we ask about their curriculum, they shit down on us. No, you can't do this. I think the reason, I'm going to say this because my boss in the back, 
the reason we so freely share our information, because you can take this information all over the world, but you can't take Batman and Rob and Laura Antonio. <laughs> so do what you do. And the reason I can make this statement because what I saw in Laura as a student and now I've been working alongside her 12 years, and what I have, one, a passion and a heart. It's not about the, the money we make. We genuinely care about our students because we realize the new term they use in their returning citizens. Even though we ask them about criminal background, it's just so we can tell potential employer, people walking there, men and women walking there know that one, they're not gonna get judged about their past failures or mistakes. And then they got a place where they can be open and freely and honest with us because they see that we in this. I, I, when I walk through them doors and run, it's lighting the place up and it's, I literally walk into the bed of the beast. But others are running from with criminal backgrounds, with men and women that have been emotionally abused, physically abused. We have to take that on. And not so much having advice or the cure-all, just someone for them to listen to. Uh, I teach primarily the men, and I, and I, I was shocked at first but I have, with the help of the other staff and her, created a place where men can be open, show their sensitive side, talk about some things that they haven't shared with anybody, and know that it won't get shared out, uh, outside their classroom. And the reason we need to do that with men and women who've been physically, emotionally abused, because that dies down inside. If they keep that inside of them, it dies with them, and that anger may come out. And so it may be on the job. Somebody may trigger or say something to them. And so they're able to get those things out. And so that would happen with me. I, I'm proud father of six children, five daughters, and five grown daughters, one grown son. And uh, I needed help for me so I could help them. And so when I came with this depression, this no trust, I was selfish. And I told my oldest daughter, I said, look, maybe not have a Christmas this year. Dad has to get himself together so he can help you. And what she said then, she was about 15 to 16. I haven't asked her to this day why she replied, but it was the best thing a father could hear. She said, Daddy, we didn't want that material stuff. We wanted to know that you weren't going to be locked up again. And the reason she made this statement, I had her, with, along with her mom, when I was 17 years old, been locked up over 30 sometimes. And when you hear that 30 number, you're like, wow. What I hear is, one, I wasn't a good criminal because I kept getting caught. <laughs> but I think about the thousands of times I didn't get caught committing crimes. So 30 may be a big number to you, but I'm thinking about the thousands of times I didn't get caught. And was just living a life that wasn't fulfilling. I was just existing as I know now. I wasn't living, didn't have goals, didn't have plans. And so along with her works, I needed counseling. And I couldn't even admit that at first. I couldn't even claim depression because, you know, we men. Society tell us we don't cry, we strong, we take on the family issues. And who does that male talk to when he needs someone to talk to if he don't have a spiritual background? If he has, don't know how to pray? The little Laura telling you about what we do, devotion and prayer, and they participate in that. Had a young man the other day telling you, I don't know how to pray. I have never prayed. And the one thing I always come back, what if your daughter asks you to pray? What you gonna say to her? You gonna tell her you don't know? I said, this is the place to practice 
There's no right or wrong, short or long. You don't have to use eloquent words. It's just a conversation with God. And so when he got through praying, everybody else, we went along, he just was standing there. Like, I did it. And it seemed so small. But I'd love to see him two years from now, five years from now, showing their young daughter, their young son. And so those are the things that, even though I walk in the belly of the beast, I'm, I take on this job, I love it. And I don't even know if Laura know this or some of my men know. It's one job at Hope Works always kind of open in his mind. Ron has been telling me to find somebody who can do what you do. And so when I tell my class, I said, look, somebody do what I do. And, and everybody was like, okay, I can do your job. They fell for the trap. I asked them, what is my job? The thing they say is teach. I said, watch me for a week and watch what I do. And another young man came to me, no, nah, Tony, I don't want your job. I said, what? He said, man, you bring the lunch, you serve the lunch, you water the flowers, you talk to students, you call individuals who thinking about quitting and doing it. He said, I don't want your job. But I love my job and the challenges that come with it. Some of the women may tell you, uh, I'm a little brash. The name that some have given me, and I, tough love, Tony. And don't be like everyone. When you hear the tough part, they always they never get the love. It's tough, but it's still love. Because when I walked to a store a couple of days ago, three whole works graduates working in, and one of the guys said, "Hey, they gonna tell you this and that." And one girl, y'all like he a celebrity or something. He the one helped me get this job. To him, I am a celebrity. Even though I don't, it's not about the accolade, but just seeing him sacking groceries instead of selling drugs or robbing the individual. That gave me so much pride and joy. And they did let me move. I had a perk. They let me skip and get in front of the line. <laughs> wow. <laughs> but just seeing that, that that young man can feed his family now. And I tell him it's slow money, but it's show money. You know, so it comes from somebody with a drug background who used to make thousands of dollars in a day, and now I'm waiting on the 15th and the 30th. That's when we get paid, little 15. When the 15th? <laughs> 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 but that, that's why I love my job, because you get an individual, uh, just had a young man in the past class, served 25 years, had never worked. He's working now, and he texts me every day, I got a job. I'm going to work. I don't want to mess it up. And so just sending him a little text, you're doing a great job. Just keep getting up, going to work, stay prayed up. And, the, and he has finally got another job. He wanted two jobs. And see, a lot of times the, the individuals, men and women, think, I got this background. I can't get high. I want nobody. In some cases, that is true. But what I used to walk around with and some of them walk around with was a felony mentality. As soon as you ask me about my background, I want to know that I can do this job. I know how to sack grocery. I already showed them my anger. How dare they have me? Instead of going there, yeah, I sold drugs. I made a mistake, running out some quick money. But I can help your company do this. And then I, since I've been working the whole works, probably I ain't been late probably two or three times. Probably missed four or five days in 12 years. And so it's accountability, showing up. And if I don't show up, they're going to be texting me, calling, what's wrong, where you at? And uh, really, my body is here, but my mind is in Chicago, along with today being my uh, mom's, would have been my mom's 6th birthday. 
we get together, the siblings and some of our, some of our nieces and nephews, and we go to Chicago where I was raised. And uh, this week is all dedicated to mom. So I gave that week up, and so they've been texting me while I was sitting on there. But I can do that next year. I can do that tomorrow. This is bigger. So those of you working in nonprofits, working with individuals with background, one, don't do it before the money. Do it because you want to see them. You want to help individuals, you know, even those who've been locked up over 30 times. Change their situation. Empower them to know that regardless of them 30 arrests, you can do this. Uh, I'm getting together. I'm going to have an associate degree. about to graduate from the University of Memphis real soon. And one thing they have uh, now is what they call a life experience degree. They're taking all them 30 arrests, this public speaking, and I'm able to get credit for it in college. And for those who've been in college, I'm eligible to get up to 30 credits, but I think I'm going to be right at 15 and 18. And I love numbers. All I think about if they're going to give me 15 and 18 credits for what I went through, I think about the dollars I'm saving, the money that's being saved for doing it. And so I encourage some of the men uh, who've been in gangs, drugs, and women also, that you can go to college. I know University of Memphis, I don't know if Southwest does it now. Just think about their life experience degree. Some of the things teachers are teaching, I have experienced it and lived through it and survived through it. So now I'm able to get credit for that. And that's all because the whole works. So, uh, I mean, we had to write in class and Laura wrote on one of my papers that I can see you in college. I'm like, I don't see myself in college. What you talking about college? Don't you know I got to take care of these kids? I got to do this? And I had another employer, why are you not in college? I was, and I had it rehearsed. Well, my daughter finished graduate, da, da, da. She said, no, you need to sign this scholarship. And uh, when I started in 05, got a scholarship for being left-handed, minority scholarship. All the monies was there. And it wasn't even about my background, because the myth, but they don't give felons money. They didn't give me any money, but they paid my tuition and gave me some money for books. I didn't need no walking around money. They took care of the two big issues for me, my tuition and my books, and maybe had $30, $40 after that, but I was just happy not only to be in college, but thriving in college. And, uh, and that's come from that just giving, uh, not give up attitude, want to thrive, made the dean's list, found out I, could, I qualified for some more money. Okay, I get to keep some in my pocket now. And so I encourage the men and women in the class to do those things. And, uh, Hope Works has not only been a life changer for me, it's also a safe haven. Uh, Lord, I, I come to work on holidays and they think I'm crazy, but I just get in the room in that building and pray and thank God that not only did I step into this opportunity, but I, I took advantage of this opportunity. And, uh, it can, and I tell individuals, men and women, it can be whatever you choose to. Don't put it all on me, Ron or Laura, help yourself because you got people depending on you. And that was my motivation, it still is today. My children, I have a couple of daughters graduated from college, one to graduate in October. My son, I made him go to the military because I, the streets of Memphis, as we see, not too safe. And I figured if he was gonna get caught up in the game, he might as well join the Army over in Hawaii, and he's really loving it. And I know y'all thinking, Hawaii, wow. My son has been over there nine months. He can't wait to get off that island. He has what they call Allen fever, and plus he's 5,000 miles away from his family. Being the only boy with five girls, even though he was the youngest, when I left the household to do anything, he was the man of the house, and I trained him to be, and taught them how to respect him. And so her work 
instilled all of that in me. It was already in there for my mom, but one, when I walked through the door with my attitude and they didn't judge me, they didn't care about my background, and they invested so much money in me, when I left, they weren't even, when I graduated in 02, they weren't even helping us with jobs. But I feel like they invested so much in me, I went out and found two jobs and was coming back to tell them. And Verlin, the director, then said, I said, what? I got two He said, we wanted to hire you. I said, what? And I started naming names. Hi, Melanie. Hi, Gladys. He said, Laura says she wants you. And uh, I'm thinking about this present ministry. Uh, I'm glad Highland is hosting Hope, along with Hope Works. Uh, but I, 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 I have to mention one man, Rick Drain. I think that's what, probably one of the primary reasons I would hire a young guy, uh, not a young guy, about 37, had been incarcerated over 20 years of his life. And if you just went off looks alone, he looked kind of frightening. He would, you know, scare you a little bit. But once you get to talk to him, you, know, you find out. But he ended up coming through Hope Works and ended up going back to jail. And he was uh, in Whiteville, and he told the young lady uh, who was doing something like what we do, you have to tell him about Hope Works. You have to get Tony or Laura down here. And so I ended up going to Whiteville, and every time I rode down, I was thinking, why am I doing this? Nobody's coming, the whole works. But uh, I just kept asking God, okay, God, you want me to go to Whiteville? I'm here to Whiteville. But uh, with that started relationship, Ron came along and he asked me, why are you doing this? I said, I don't know, let's go. And he got involved in it, and it has really evolved in the whole works, Highland, and uh, really being a part of present ministry. And so I go into the state, local, federal jails, and um, we have to help a lot of individuals who've been incarcerated. And I ask them what's their plan when they get out, and I tell them about Hope Works. And if Hope Works not a fit for them, I tell them about other programs, which my boss probably, oh, send them Hope Works. <laughs> but once again, the beauty of what we do, we don't claim to have a corner on the market. We, we don't profess to be the best, but... Like I mentioned earlier, you have two teachers who are passionate and a staff that is committed. Uh, the GED program was started because we used to have our students with us for 13 weeks and we'll refer them to another source and they'll come back. They ain't not treating us like y'all treat us. So we developed uh, a GED just for our graduates and it has evolved into a citywide thing. And me being alongside it for 12, 13 years, I, I'm just, uh, I love it. I was hollering the other day in the building because we had a co-worker and some graduates came by. Left on not so good terms, but I just love the fact that they still knew that they could come back to her works and not be judged. And no matter, regardless of how they left, they was gonna get treated like a human being there. And so uh, that program, this program is, is to me, life-changing. My children have not physically been in the classroom, but I have taught all of them whole works. They know everything from A to Z. And uh, a little tidbit, this is another thing Laura don't know. She gonna get me putting this out here. <laughs> when I came through the program, I won't mention the gang, it wasn't even, that's not even important. But Laura and Ron left, that's why I can say this. When he got hired, I told Ron, I said, Ron, you know, you're the exec director, you're great. I said, but if you don't think Laura is the heartbeat, Laura is the heartbeat of this program because when you get the tough love and whatever you get from another staff member, Laura, I've never really seen her mad, never really seen her sweat, but she's one that you can talk to and just know that she has your best interest. And so when I went back to the little 
gang I was a part of, and I was telling them, y'all gotta meet this lady named Laura, y'all. And they were like, we don't wanna meet Laura, who's Laura? And so I cut my hair and I cut her works in the back of my head. And the first thing they said, white folks can brainwash you now, what you doing cutting your hair and all of that? And so they was so much negative. So I said, okay, y'all talking crazy. I said, y'all better not touch Laura. If you see any white person that look like Laura, mind you, they don't even know Laura. I said, if you do anything, y'all better think about Laura. They was like, what? And so she didn't know that, but she has just been such a big part of my life as well as my family because uh, with her loving ways and just caring about not only me but my family, I'm able to share that with my family as well as other families. I don't know what time it is, but uh, if y'all, I can talk forever. I get paid to talk. Any questions? Um, what are the sources of your clients or students? And what percentage would you say are ex-offenders? 57% um, are, are ex-offenders. And 50% of our students hear about, hope, generally 50% hear about hope works from Graduates of the program, friends or family who are graduates of the program, and then the other 50% are um, from shelters, agencies, probation officers, churches, just a variety. Thank you. Is there a stipend available for the students who have gone through this program? program? I mean, Let me ask you. How much time we got? I answer it. No. 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 Well, we do also run and I and some donors, board members in here. It's a term I use. We do a lot of professional begging. <laughs> Churches, organizations. Because uh, it's free for the students. We realize, thank you. They invest in a lot of time. It's free. And so we raise funds. We got a couple of grants. Got uh, private donors, individual donors, some churches. But, uh, but you're, you're talking about for the actual student as yeah, they students come through. The program that long, yeah. you know, a lot of times oh, right. things like that. Yeah. So is there some, some initiative, some uh, No, there's not. There's not. That would be great. Yeah. And there's other programs that do that, and I always ask my students, I know a couple of programs <coughs> that do that. To me, they're not, they don't have any skin to ground. I'm, I'm in, I've been in so many programs with my background. It was the only program that I took serious because it required something of me. And it was nothing tangible. That it wasn't a weekly check or weekly stipend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, bus passes are fine, but I knew I had to help them help me, allow them to help me. And I know some programs that <coughs> people are going to. And we, our numbers are down because of the other programs offering money, but those people still need them coming to us. Some of the students do work evenings or weekends. And, and the reality is a lot of our students hadn't worked in a long time, so 14 more weeks is really not a hardship. I know it is for some. How many can you take in at a time, and are, are there screenings? Yes, yeah. Know, like, what's the qualifications? Yeah, the basic qualifications, and I brought a sample intake form if anybody wants to see that. We ask our students to do two interviews, the first interview is with one of us, second interview is with a counselor, and we like to have those on two separate days just to start to gauge motivation. Do they come back for the second interview? Um, they have to, if alcohol or drugs have been an issue, they have to be clean. 
because they're going to be drug tested the first week of class. They have to be able to read at about a sixth grade reading level and we do a reading assessment in their first interview. They have to be physically and mentally able to work in a competitive marketplace. We don't do any sheltered employment. Um, and motivated enough to stick with the program. Those are the basic requirements. Yes. How's the program financed? Um, donors, individual donors, churches, special events, grants. I'm sorry, our time is up. But if I have any questions, y'all come up in now or catch us at lunch. Thank y'all. We really do appreciate it.